This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Following with us, you should know to open up to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5. We are in the midst of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. We started this out as it starts with the Beatitudes and remembering Matthew establishes for us and leads us up into this message on the Sermon on the Mount so that we might recognize that we're hearing from the King. So the King is speaking about the Kingdom of Heaven. And he starts out talking about the citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven. Now if you are a believer in God, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe all the way to the end, you're a citizen of the kingdom, and he identified you as blessed. Amen. Called you blessed. Now, that might not mean much when mama or daddy says it. May not mean that much even when a preacher or the pastor says it. But when the king says it, He says, you got my favor. So you're blessed. And then he goes on and says, now, you that are blessed, I want you to understand about who you are. You're the salt of this earth. You're the light of the world. The world needs you. And I want to see the world knows my goodness because of you. So don't lose your savor. Don't hide the light. Shine, And so, that's encouraging when you hear that. It's inspiring when you hear that. It lets you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He wants to make sure that they understand, yes, yes, you'll be reviled. You'll be persecuted. All manner of things will be said about you. But rejoice. Because you have a great reward. In heaven. So he gives that, and now we're going to take up in verse number 17, and you're going to find there's a shift. The king shifts gears here. But the subject is still the kingdom of heaven. And he says here in verse 17 Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm trying to think how to relate this to you. This is probably how best to relate this to you. You have to understand, Jesus in his time, he was radical. He was radical. Like we talked about the multitude. Now, there are those who are following him because they recognize that he was from God. Others, I'll say in the religious circles, where there are many doubters. 
there are many people who are like, well, you know, that's not how it was taught to us in my church, in my synagogue. He's saying things that you know, hadn't been said before. So he's seen as a radical. And you know, when we see people come up that are uh, on the radical side, we always think that they're bucking the trend. They're coming against the trend. So he addresses what's in their mind. He addresses what's in their thoughts. He says, think not. You know why he says, think not? Because they were thinking this. You know, they've been dealing with... I'm trying to think how best to explain this. I really don't have a term for it. It's a religious rule in their nation. Okay? Now, they are under Roman uh, occupation at the time, but nonetheless... Their form of government really is a religious rule. And so they have been familiar with, and you know how it is. You know how it is. Whoever you are, whenever you report to somebody, whoever you report to, they don't do right. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? You know, somebody you used to work with, you're all good with them, all somebody come your manager, oh, they forgot where they came from. It just goes with the territory. Right, And so when you as an individual citizen in this religious state see those who are ruling over you, you know, you're not all in favor of everything they do, everything they say, all the things they impose upon you. So here comes Jesus, and he's radical. He's not, he's not approaching us like these scribes and the Pharisees are. And so people in their mind might think that, oh, you know what? We don't have to be under all these restrictions any longer. He wants to set the record straight. So he's going to give them, and, and, and this leads into... A good section here, actually to the end of chapter 5, where he's going to explain to them what place the law has. And remember, the subject is the kingdom of heaven. So he tells them, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking to the citizens and says, now, now, now don't you poo-poo the law. Can I say it that way? <laughs> hey, hey, you got to have the right view of the law. And he's telling us here that he is not rejecting the law. And he's not teaching anybody to reject the law. Stay with me. Now, I told you last week I was excited about this. I'm excited about this. And I understand sometimes the things I get excited about, you know, the average church person doesn't get excited about. But this is good to me. See, because he said we're hearing from the king. I'm not hearing secondhand. I'm not hearing, he said, that she said, that he said, this is how it goes. We're hearing from the king. And he's telling us, don't you discard, don't you reject the law. Now, that's difficult in today's time. Because we celebrate, I'm not under the law. Okay, well, well he's, he's, he's going to give some understanding. Let's hear from the king regarding this. So he's not rejecting the law, and he does not teach anyone to reject the law. He is not against the law. But he confirms the law that it is good. He says all is going to have to be fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle, all will have to be fulfilled. So he confirms that it is good. And I like this because Jesus is telling them, I'm not going to allow you 
to use me as an excuse for you to transgress the law. <laughs> Amen. Because, uh, again, you've got to understand, you know, he's radical. They saw him heal on the Sabbath. That's radical. There they are, breaking off corn on the Sabbath. That's radical. But he's trying to explain to them, now, you, you misunderstand this. You see, and some people see that and, and they take it to other places. They see someone take what they see as a liberty and they think they have more liberty and they go and do whatever they want to do saying, well, see what he did. He said, you can't use me as an excuse. Don't use me as an excuse. You know, here we, do, we say stuff like this. Well, he didn't take it. I ain't going to take it. You can't use Jesus as an excuse to act outside of what you've been directed to act. So he's not going to allow himself to be used as an excuse. And he's also making clear to those who are present, he's not violating the law of God. Ooh, boy. And again, you've got to, many of you who know the scriptures, and you see all those ways that Jesus irritated. Now, he didn't try to irritate them. It's just that when they saw him do the things he did, in their mind, you've transgressed the law. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not transgressing the law. I'm not discarding it. I'm not undoing it. I'm not rejecting it. I'm not teaching man to reject it. I'm telling them if you teach somebody not to do it, you're wrong. If you teach somebody to do it, you're right. So he's not dispelling the law, and he is not changing the law. Now, if he's not undoing the law, if he's not discarding the law, then the question becomes, what's different about how Jesus deals with the law than what's already been in place up until this point in time. Because there is something different. And he lets them know. Verse 17 again. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Don't think I've come to undo the law. Or the prophets. I'm not come to undo or destroy, but to fulfill. What's the difference? He's going to fulfill the law. So the law is not to be discounted. And you know why it's not to be discounted? Because it reveals what pleases the Father. And what he's going to do is he is fulfilling the law of God. Now catch this. When he says he's going to fulfill it, this is what he means to fulfill the law. He's going to bring it to its fullest meaning. How's he going to do that? Through demonstration and explanation. He's, going to, he's not discarding it. He's not undoing it. He's not teaching men to transgress the law. He is bringing it to its fullest meaning. In other words, we've missed something. We've not grasped something. We've not seen, fully seen it for what it is. And I'll say it and, and we'll get to it I believe today. We've misappropriated the law. Again, verse 17 and we'll read into verse 20. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. 
whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven whoa wait a minute See, there's been a, a major shift here now, now you just got through assessing people talking about how they're blessed how they're the salt of the earth how they're the light of the world now you're saying hey don't discard the law and don't be like the scribes and the Pharisees I'm telling Jesus something else isn't he no, everyone wants that little lamb. This doesn't seem like the little lamb talking right here. He identifies organizations by name. I'm telling you, he's radical. And I, I guarantee you a bunch of people in the crowd are cheering, yes, that's right. <laughs> i got to laugh at that because you know that that's right. I don't like them anyway. They think they're all that. Right? But he's not done yet. But he tells them, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He calls out the scribes and Pharisees' manner of life. Now, now this gets me. Because I, I wonder, because I think I mentioned this last time, is that, that Jesus can relate in the time. If he were here today, he wouldn't say the scribes and Pharisees. Then the question becomes, I wonder who he would use in this place. See, because the scribes and Pharisees, they thought they were all that. They thought they could tell people what's right and what's wrong. Uh, you listen to us to hear what God says. Wow. You know, I, I really do wonder. I believe if he was around today, and now this is just me, take it for whatever. He's saying, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the evangelicals, you don't have any case in the gift into the kingdom of heaven. I believe he'd say that. And I believe he wouldn't bite his tongue. I don't believe he'd apologize. He'd just say it just like that. Yeah, they act like they're all that. But let me tell you, the kingdom of heaven's assessment. The king's assessment. That's no good. You've got to be better than that. And again, I hear all the people say, yeah, that's right. That's right. But then again, I wonder, could he say, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the people of church of living water? I wonder if he could say that. You see, because we all have an assessment of ourselves. We all think that, you know, they don't have it going on. But we, we're all that. And I, I want to make sure you understand this, because he's going somewhere here. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees at that time were seen as those who they're supposed to look to. They're in the position. He, he says in another passage of Scripture, they sit in Moses' seat. And so he said, now you're looking toward them, but I want to let you know, you know, you, you haven't fully grasped the law. I'm going to bring it to the fullest meaning. I'm going to explain it, and I'm going to demonstrate it. But your level of righteousness is not right. He says that that standard of righteousness is rejected by the king. Now understand this. What righteousness is accepted? Your righteousness is not accepted. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care what name you have. Your righteousness is as filthy rags before the king. So that's why I laugh when people say, that's right. They ain't no good. I knew they ain't right anyway, but you're not right either. And the righteousness you present before the king, he will not accept if it's yours. Your best day is not good enough. Your best moment is not sufficient. It all fails before the king. Yeah, I like this. I really do. Because I'm telling you, he's going to get into the place. And you can see now, the Sermon on the Mount, you can find encouragement. You can find comfort. You can find inspiration. But I like this because it will not be complete without conviction. Glory to God. There are many churches out there who are afraid of conviction and they haven't followed in the footsteps of the Master. They want to say how God loves you all the time. It doesn't say about the dirty deeds that you do and how He doesn't love those and how that's not right before Him, how it's not accepted before Him. Now, you, you go out feeling good, but He doesn't call you blessed. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is used as a weak barometer. In other words, don't use them as your example. <laughs> but make sure you understand, our righteousness is no good. His righteousness is required. His righteousness is required. Now, I believe this is why he calls out the scribes and the Pharisees. Be ye not many masters knowing that we receive the greater condemnation. Now, a lot of people step into churches and they want positions. And they think the position is about telling people what to do when the king is looking at, yeah, but let me see your standard of righteousness. Mm. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case, no case, no case, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, keep your ribbon there. Because I want to explain to you what the rest of this chapter is about. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Verse number 12. Romans 7. Verse number 12 says, For Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So as we enter into the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, in this section where he deals with the law, this is what this is about. He's letting us know the law is good. The law is holy. The law is just. But by the law, 
sin is to appear exceedingly sinful. By the law, sin is supposed to appear exceeding sinful. Catch this. By the law, sin is to appear exceedingly sinful. Um, how can I say this? You don't get presented with the law and feel good afterwards. Amen. I, I, I'm just getting you ready. Because again, our mind is on the Lamb of God. Oh, He heals. Yeah, but He demands righteousness. And not your righteousness. And so that you can see your righteousness is no good, He's going to bring the law to His fullest meaning. That it can appear exceedingly sinful. So in other words, when He gets through... You shouldn't be saying, well, I got, I got all that taken care of. I'm all good. Then he'll tell you, accept your righteousness. Exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, because they say they're all good. You shall know I... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, let, let's go back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Now, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, it's, it's all connected. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about those who are poor in spirit. He's talking about those who mourn. And he wants to get people to that place because in all honesty, yours is not the kingdom of heaven if you never enter that way. So again, here's the point. The law is good, but it is given so that sin might appear exceedingly sinful. <laughs> Turn back to Matthew chapter 5. If you write notes, write this down. The law is the righteous standard of God. And you are guilty. I know. Now, calm down. Don't shout. Don't shout. Try to listen. <laughs> Somebody just turned off the computer right now. <laughs> I ain't trying to shout, brother. What you talking about? What, kind, what are they preaching over there? We're preaching the truth. We're following the king as he talks about the kingdom of heaven. The law is the righteous standard of God, and you are guilty. So Jesus, the king, identifies that the order of the kingdom is not the law. Hear me out. Jesus, the king, identifies that the order of the kingdom is not the law, but righteousness. Let me say it again. Jesus, the king, identifies that the order of the kingdom is not the law, but righteousness. You just turn for Romans. Turn back to Romans 10. I want you to see this. Romans 10. This is going to be important. Then you'll be able to flow with him as he goes through this section of his teaching on the law. He identifies that the order of the kingdom is not the law, but righteousness. And according to Romans 10 and 10, 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So when you deal with righteousness, you're dealing with the heart. And this is where people miss it with the law. The law is the righteous standard of God, and you're guilty. So he identifies the order of the kingdom is not the law. The order of the kingdom is righteousness. Now, turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 21. So we've shifted. Now we've gone from his assessment. Now he's going to show us the place of the law. Matthew 5 and 21 he says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in, the da in danger of hell fire. Now, this is interesting. First, look at this statement. He says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? You heard them say, that's Jesus talking. You know, your first question is, who is them? <laughs> now, they know who them was, or who them are, whatever the correct statement is. They knew. I don't think we necessarily know. And that's why we're here for Wednesday night Bible study. Thank God for it. How do I explain this? Okay. This is not a direct reference to the law of Moses. It deals with the law of Moses. But when he says, you've heard them say of old time, they had in place what is called, and actually still do, what's called an oral law. What's an oral law? Well, to understand it is that they had the law of Moses. But the oral law is how they appropriated the law of Moses. And it was passed down orally. And guess who had it? The scribes and the Pharisees. So they knew exactly who he was talking about. See, they've been teaching this. They've been teaching this as law. And their oral law became, as it were, a legal document. Even though it's not written down. It contained, within their oral law, their legal constraints. One way to describe it is this way. Because we do it today. Hey, don't think it's foreign. Let's say that you serve in a particular area of ministry in Church of the Living Water. 
And then when you join that area of ministry, you're informed that you have to attend corporate prayer every Saturday. Okay, well, well okay, now, now that's plain. But then someone's going to ask, how early do I have to make it? See, that wouldn't contain in the, you have to make it to prayer. So now, let's appropriate it. Well, 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 when is on time? The next thing you know, you got people locking doors at a certain time because people want to be legal. Uh oh, and, and another case, well, well, how many times can I miss? Oh, see, see, see now, now we need some further explanation. Now it, needs to, now it needs to be appropriate. So this is what they had the law, and then someone would always ask, well, what about? And then the religious leaders will say, well, you know, let's, let's quorum together. Okay, this is what we come out with, and that became their oral law. And so it stems from the law given to them by God through Moses. But it has branched off into something different. And so you can imagine, again, now hopefully this starts to make sense to you why he says, think not that I came to destroy the law. Because they're thinking, man, we've got all of this regimen, we've got all these legal constraints, and I thank God that Jesus is here because he ain't having it. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 slow your roll, slow your roll. I'm not here to undo the law. You just misappropriated it. So I'm here to fulfill it. I'm here to bring it to its truest meaning. You see, because here's what would happen. Oh, let's get down to the nitty gritty, right? You make prayer on time, but you don't make any other services. And legally, you're covered for your position in ministry. But something's not right with the heart. He's a teacher, isn't he? <laughs> Keep your ribbon there in Matthew chapter 5 so you can see. Here's an example. The example are really in the, in the scriptures. Matthew chapter 15. And we play games like that, don't we? And... I hear the master say, I hear the king saying, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case, and in your mind, oh, I, I exceed. No, you're, you're doing the exact same thing. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. I'm sorry, was this a commandment? Thou must wash your hands before you eat bread. No, you see, they take the law, and then next thing you know, there becomes a circuit of constraints, and they get to this place where the traditions say it's been passed on to us. You have to wash your hands before you eat bread. Now, I will say this. Wash your hands before you eat bread. Go ahead and do that. But again, you're not, you're not, you're not condemned to hell if you don't. Now, I may not eat your food. <laughs> Woo! You know, we've got to be better hygiene than that. Too many germs around. But anyway, we're talking about their traditions. It says, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Verse 3, But he answered and said unto them, Okay, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? 
For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Now that's God. But ye say. See, you've heard it said by them of old time. But ye say. Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, now, you went and appropriated the law by saying, okay, now, but if you, having a mother or father that you want to honor, you have a conflict. You got that money, you want to give it to me in the church. Well, you know, they don't say me, but they say, bring it to the synagogue. Well, then, bringing it to the synagogue trumps honoring your father and your mother. But that wasn't in the commandment. See, something's wrong with the heart. And legally, they can still say, yeah, you can still honor your father and mother. But that was wrong. Verse 7, ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You see that? So, so they have started to appropriate the law of Moses with their legal constraints and they became legal. Wow. And so they could be covered legally while in the same time be so far away from God. That's why we got to watch ourselves. We've got to watch ourselves trying to be legal. Always trying to justify self. So that we can do whatever we want to do, whatever profits us. And somehow we think God is alright with that. Now what's scary is that we can do those things and our heart not condemn us. And we're all right with those things. Give it no second thought. That's wrong. Back to Matthew chapter 5. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time. So now we know what he's talking about. He is talking about their oral law. He said, let me set this record straight. That's what he's saying. Now, here's what they said. Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, now this is a lot. Now what he's doing here, and you have to understand this, he mentions judgment and the council. He's talking about man's judgment. For instance, okay, you see that word rock. Rock always gets people. We'll talk about it. It says, whosoever shall say to his brother, rock shall be in danger of the council. What in the world is the council? Listen to me. He's not talking about some council in heaven. He's talking about the council that they have in their religiously ruled state. Example. Acts 
chapter 4. Keep your ribbon there. Acts chapter 4. Ooh. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 4. I can't just read that verse. Alright, so this is after they came across the lame man at the gate. Peter and John, testifying to the Lord Jesus Christ, see this man healed. Okay, and there's a, a great to do made out of this. Look at this in verse number 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priest, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even time. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter starts to preach. Okay? Now jump over to verse number 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. So he's, so he's talking about man's judgment. You're in Acts chapter 5. More persecution is going on here. Wow. What do I want to say? Let's look at this. Verse 17, verse 18. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, laid their hands on the apostles, put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple <laughs> to the people all the words of this life. In other words, just shine. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them Brought. You see what's going on here? Council refers to man's establishment of judgment. Wow. Wow, I'm, I'm just, you've you got to read the rest of this because, and I don't want to read it because I, I get caught up. But the thing about it is they, they leave rejoicing that they got counted worthy to suffer. For the cause of Christ. It sounds like citizens of the kingdom. It sounds like the blessed. They didn't shy away from persecution. And here's the amazing thing about it the persecution came from the religious leading. Amen. I mean, that's a message in itself. But, boy, what I want you to see, turn back to Matthew chapter 5. 
what I want you to see is that the council is the order of men. Now going back, verse 21 again. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. You shall be in danger of being brought before men. And them executing a judgment in your case. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. You know what he's saying there? He's saying now, before you get to that place where you kill somebody, it started well before then. Now, if you to get to judgment, yeah, you end up killing somebody, but before you kill them, there was something going on in your heart. See, the act was preceded by something that was happening in your heart. So, because somebody will say, I didn't kill anybody. Many in the church will say, I didn't kill anybody. But what was in your heart? See, legally, you're covered, but why do we have the law? That sin might appear exceeding sinful, not a way to legally be covered, but that we might become all guilty before our God. So he says, you know how you ended up in judgment? Killing was the final act of what was already in your heart. See, but with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Now, now here's the thing that gets me. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother you to have those kind of thoughts about somebody in your heart and feel all right about it? See, that's not righteous. Now, now here's the thing. I, I'm telling you, this is the point. We're all guilty. You having a thought against somebody makes you like everybody else. And the law says, you need something. Because <laughs> your righteousness is not good enough. It's letting you know your righteousness is not exceeding the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Wow, this is amazing to me. He knows full well what he's saying. He's full aware of what's coming. Because they are going to have to believe God and have it counted to them for righteousness. But they have to be guilty before God for that to happen. Verse 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. You know what without a cause is? For petty things. Petty differences. I don't like how they looked at me. They parked too close to me. They say hi to everybody else, but they don't say hi to me. And you're angry with your brother because of that? Because they didn't, they didn't say hi the right way. Now, I didn't murder nobody. You know, you lift up your hands. Praise God. God is good. Wonderful is our God. Excellent is our God. And you got that in your heart. Yeah, but you didn't murder anybody. Now, legally, you're covered. But that's not why the law came. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, now again, this is out of our time. We cannot relate to this. This is obvious to me. 
for instance, Raqqa. What in the world is Raqqa? That's not an English word. It's, it's not a King James English word. It's left in the Aramaic because there is no word that translates and captures it outside of that. So obviously in their oral tradition, in their oral laws, they stated that if you make this statement, it must have been a vicious word. It must have been a, 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 just a, 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 I don't know, I don't even know how to, how to relate it. It must have been something that was just taboo. That if you would say that word and direct it towards somebody, everyone's like, whoa, whoa, we're going to have to call in the council on you on this one. And on the other hand, fool must not have been considered that big a deal. But it was still coming from the wrong place in the heart. So, yeah, according to your oral traditions, you say raka, then you're in trouble. But a lot of you didn't say raka, but you said this silly thing. You had this in your mouth directed toward your neighbor. You're just as, as much in danger of hellfire than you are the council. Now, here's the thing about hellfire. The council can't send you there. <laughs> this is God's judgment. What's he saying? He's saying what the council doesn't see, God does. And when you try to make a case to get into heaven, you try to bring out how you are legally covered. And he says, you in no case shall enter in being legal with me. Oh, did you catch that? Oh, this is, this is, this, did you catch that? He says, let's go back. Verse 20, verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case, you have no legal case. You can't make a case that makes God allow you to enter into the kingdom of heaven when you think you're covered legally. See, that's a misappropriation of the law. Why should I let you? Well, I hear the rich young girl, I kept all these things from my youth. Jesus looked at him with love. You missed it all together. You missed it all together. You're worried because you never went before Judge Judy. Never had to have Perry Mason take your case. But I saw all those things you were never accused of. But you're guilty before me. And you thought the law was a covering so you can get away with stuff. When it, you were supposed to, when it was supposed to ex appear exceedingly sinful and it should have pierced your heart. And you should have looked for a savior. You should have pined for a savior. Because I made him available. The idea is that murder is the final act of a defiled heart. That's the idea. Murder is the final act of a defiled heart. And he says, Raka, that vile word, is the same thing. Wow. Understand this. Thoughts can pass by. They will pass by. But the defiled heart has let that contrary thought take residence. Let it fester. Again, I want to encourage you in this. You, we're all guilty, okay? That's the end of all this. We're all guilty. 
I had that thought. We had the thoughts together. The point is to show you, you need covering. You need a savior. You cannot present what you have and who you are by your lonesome before God and have it accepted before him. Your righteousness is as filthy rags before our God. I like what Paul says. I can't bring him my own righteousness. I've got to come with the righteousness which is by faith. So the defiled heart puts you in position of judgment worse than their counsel. Much worse than the counsel. You're in the book of Matthew. Keep your ribbon there. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. So I'm going back to these statements. Remember these statements. The law is the righteous standard of God and you are guilty. And Jesus the King identifies that the order of the kingdom is not the law. It's righteousness. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You, with the law, are worried about the council when there is a worse condition. A defiled heart that has kept the law but it's defiled before God. And let me tell you, the defiled heart cannot keep the law. You can just be legal. And legally, the council might accept you. But God says, you have no case to enter into the kingdom of heaven. See, this goes further than their legal constraints. You see, he's starting to fulfill the law. He's starting to bring it to its fullest meaning. He's starting to make it plain before them. You've misappropriated the law. You've missed it all together. Now back to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift, before the altar and go thy way first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift you see he doesn't mention the counsel here it's just because if something's in your heart contrary to your brother who cares about the counsel it's not their judgment that you really care about I don't care if legally you have not murdered your brother You've had a defiled heart, and God, I'm sorry, I've got to keep going to these scriptures, don't I? Keep it ripping there, Matthew chapter 5, 1 John chapter 3. You know what's in your heart. You know what you have in your heart against your brother. Yeah, you can say all you want to. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't killed anybody. But we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And remember, the citizens of the kingdom are concerned with what 
or how they please the living God. They could care le- they could not care any less about what man knows. What they care is about what God knows. And they want to be accepted by Him. And when you want to be accepted by God, you just want like David with Saul. David had a thought that you know what, I can get him now. But his heart condemned him. And he, was, he wasn't thinking about what the other men and their judgment was. He was thinking about what's God's judgment in this situation. See, that's the stuff of righteousness. First John chapter 3, verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. You're not hiding anything from God. You don't have to speak it. You can keep your face in check. You can keep your expression in check. But God knows what's going on. And you know if your heart is condemning you, know for sure God knows what's going on in that heart. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Do you hear that? The order of the kingdom is not the law. It is righteousness. And it is with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness. And what they miss with the law is, yeah, I can legally be covered, but still have the wrong heart. That's not acceptable. That is not a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Back to Matthew chapter 5. Twenty-three and twenty-four again. Therefore, if thou, thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, so when you bring a gift to the altar, who's the gift to? The gift is to God. This is not about a gift to man. This is about a gift to God. What He will accept. Now, to recognize that your brother has aught against you is to say you recognize you have behaved below the standard of righteousness. That is pleasing to God as it pertains to your brother. Oh my goodness. After we said all that we said, that statement is quite the statement. When he says ought against you, if your brother has ought against you, it's to say you recognize you behave below the standard of righteousness that is pleasing to God. As it pertains to your brother. In other words, you may have acted as though everything was alright. But you know on the inside, oh, that came from the wrong place. Accept your righteousness. Exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Conviction. This is what the law is meant to do. The statement I do not believe is one for the case where your brother is holding something against you. 
oh, get this now. Your brother doesn't have to hold something against you for this statement to be true. As far as they know, it's all right. Ah, uh, yeah, but God knows what's going on in your heart. They'd be all right if I don't say anything. I believe this covers when a brother is not even aware of anything against you. But you gave them something that they could use against you. Hallelujah. And even if they can't use it against you, God's seen it. And you know it's not acceptable before God. I hear David cry out, you want truth in the inward parts. This is what I got to bring you, God. Yeah, I had this against my brother and I never acted contrary, but that's me being legal. I got to reconcile that thing. My goodness, you know, it really wants you, makes you want to go places. Because some people, they, they think that they can bribe God. You know what I mean by that? They can bring offerings on top of offerings and live any kind of way. And for some reason, God's supposed to bless them because they give so much, but their heart's not right before God. And they wonder why things aren't working out. It's because their heart has condemned them. And they've ignored that God is greater than their heart. Sometimes you give them something words that you shouldn't have said. And they may have even waved it off. You joked when you shouldn't have joked. And they didn't take it seriously, but you know you shouldn't have said that. It is still something that could be held against you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know you want to run around the church. Wait till August 1st. <laughs> you save up that run. You want to run around the church. Save it up for then. You know you're not going to be running around the church. You're trying to race this out of your mind. No, we want to be right before God. We're talking about citizen king, uh, uh, king, citizens of the kingdom. Because remember, he says, you're blessed. But remember, you is not everybody. We're talking about those who love him. We're talking about those who belong to him. We're talking about those who have fully given their heart over to him. See, faith does work by love. Glory to God. It really does. Verse 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. I want to remind you, who's talking? I know when your preacher says it, you say, eh, yeah, I don't got to do that. I'm talking about the king. Talking about the one you have to answer to. This is from him. Leave your gift there. Before the altar, go your way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. I mean, if you have the wrong thing in your heart, how, how do you feel bringing the gift to God? You shouldn't feel all right that way. That shouldn't settle with you. 
That shouldn't sit okay with you. And, and Jesus said, no, it doesn't sit. All right, go settle that. Be reconciled. And then you can bring a gift. Quickly. Verse number 25 and 26. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Whilst thou art in the way with him. Now, now he goes from brother to adversary. So this is a little bit different here. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Now he's talking about man's judgment here. He's not talking about hell. <laughs> he's talking about man's judgment. He says, now, if you got any sense with your adversary under man's judgment, you'd go settle that, wouldn't you? And very last say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. He's using this as an example, people. Listen, I, I want you to understand this. His subject is still righteousness in the kingdom of heaven. He is not teaching on civil law. This is not saying, let somebody do you wrong. He's using it as an example. Do not give someone a reason to hold something against you. Because in this world, your adversary is going to use it against you. And God is not going to hold up your case when you're wrong. <laughs> and you're not going to get away with that kind of attitude before God. And I like how he says it in, in verse 26. Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost part. He said, I ain't getting you out. <laughs> Glory to your name. I like that. So I'm not getting you out. You did wrong. You gave him a case against you. Now, 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 now here's the thing about this. I, I want you to understand this as well. In other, you can find it in other places. Uh, someone came and, and told Jesus, make my brother give me my inheritance. And Jesus said, I, I ain't here for civil law. <laughs> I, I'm not a judge over you. So he makes it clear that his concern is not civil matters. This is just an example. Certainly an adversary will hold any occasion you give them against you. All right? That's all he's saying. Because some people read this and suddenly they say, well, that, that means I've I got to settle everything and let them get away with murder. No. He's, not saying, he's just using this as an example. But, I do want to say this. I don't have time to get into this. A follower of righteousness is not going to be one who is constantly brought to litigation. Did you hear me? A follower of righteousness is not going to be constantly in litigation. What do you mean? Outstanding warrants? You got restraining orders against you. That's not a follower of righteousness. Settle those things. That's not associated with assault and light. That's not associated with righteousness. Breaking contracts. Listen to me. Collectors calling you for bills you have not paid. That's not the stuff of righteousness. And he ain't bailing you out. You're not getting a breakthrough. 
when you're wrong, you're wrong. And God forbid that a believer should defraud another believer. Ooh, boy, if I had time to develop that. Because we don't call it defrauding. We get legal with that. We get the hookups from our brothers and our sisters. And we know that we can get by without giving them what's due them. That's defrauding. And I'm out of time. I got to stop. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.